Welcome, everyone. You can hear me okay? <laughs> Welcome to our second session of Spiritual Parenting. I'm Holly Packiam. I'm really excited to be here with you this morning. We've had a few techie things going on, so hopefully, hopefully we'll be good from here on out. Um, I'll just kind of go over a few logistical things that I did last week for those of you who this is your first time um, here. And this, the first session was podcasted on the New Life Downtown Sunday School podcast. So if you want to catch that and just kind of, it was called Awakening to Spiritual Parenting. So just kind of a general idea of, of what we're getting into for the next, for the six weeks. So if you haven't gotten a book, they're down here. Everybody, each family who signed up. Um, can grab a spiritual parenting book. And I'll just recommend each time if you want to read ahead or you can read after, but I'll just kind of say these are chapters we're going to go over the next week so that if you want to read ahead and kind of know what we're getting into, then you can read ahead. Um, So I am in now a part-time, very part-time position at New Life Downtown doing parenting ministries. And in the past year, um, we've kind of gotten some Sunday school classes going and so this is another part of developing my role and just offering things for parents at New Life Downtown. Um, so part of the kind of the vision and the focus of this material and really my role as well is to equip and support parents that we really believe that you are to be the primary disciplers of your children but we want to come alongside and give ideas for how to do that, support you, and of course, as a church, family, community, and staff, we're doing that, but we want to give you ideas for how to continue and start to disciple if you've got really, really little ones. Um, Let's see, and so as far as the format of the class goes, um, it'll be, I'll kind of bring some content for the week, and then we'll break up, or we'll break, I'll give a little bit of content, and then we'll break up into discussion groups. So if you see any of the people that you were talking to last week, you can jump in with them or jump in with new people if the same people aren't here. We're hoping to get bring about some community in this group. I know some of you express like, I really want to get to know other parents and um, join them in discussing and talking about you know, going through this stage of life together. So hopefully some of that will happen um, as we do that. So we'll do a little bit of content, discuss for a little bit, and then come back to the content. And this time, this week, I do have the discussion questions. We're going to put them up here so you're not like, what did you just say? What question are we supposed to be answering? So hopefully that will help a little bit. Um, But as I said last week, kind of the core group of scriptures that really are the foundation for this course um, are from Psalm 78, 4 through 8. And in this, I'll just kind of paraphrase what's in this, these, these scriptures, but Asaph is really commissioning parents to know and follow God. And so if you want to kind of read that and dig into that a little bit more, I would encourage you to do that. Um, so let's, let's start with prayer. Lord, we ask you today that you would draw us into a life of faith with you. That as we, we as parents, Lord, that as we are seeking you for our families, as we are seeking you as an individual and as in our community, that you would draw our children into faith with you, Lord. We know that we as parents cannot make this happen um, as much as you've equipped us and taught us um, how to do this, Lord, that you are ultimately in control of this, that your Holy Spirit draws your children to you, Lord. And so we just pray and we ask that you continue to remind us to pray for our children, that you would continue to draw them to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's actually, before we dig in, let's, um, 
let's break into the groups that you were in or just form new ones, whatever, whatever works for today. And let's introduce or reintroduce yourselves. Just give your name, your kids' names, ages, and just maybe each take a minute and just say something about yourselves. Um, and then if you were here last week, just share like a, maybe a one-minute reflection about what stood out to you most. What have you been thinking and contemplating since last week? All right, we're going to regroup and move forward. I'm so glad you're all chattering and getting to know each other. This is wonderful. So we're going to be talking about um, the first couple chapters of spiritual parenting. That's what we're going to go over today. So it's, we're talking about cultivating faith, and then the third chapter is about storytelling. And then so for next week, if you want to read what we're going to cover next week, it will go over chapter four and five. It's about identity and the faith community. Um, and I'll kind of, as I'm going on, I'll refer to portions of this of maybe recommended parts that would be most helpful to read. Let's see here. I feel like I'm getting older. My, I had to, um, I was going to, our printer broke. And so I needed to just do my notes for my computer. And I'm like, I can't see this. I'm going to have to enlarge the font. So I'm enlarged. I'm like, oh, I guess I'm getting older. Maybe I need reading glasses or something. But I'm, hopefully I won't be squinting up here. Um, okay. All right. So spiritual parenting is about faith. And we talked a little bit about this last week. But it's really about passing faith on to the next generation. So first our kids and our hope and our prayers that that our faith in the Lord will continue on, you know, down the generations. And so what we mean when we talk about faith is a firm conviction in the, who the Lord is, a belief in him, a surrender to him and what he has for us. And I'm not on the right slide, am I? Is it? Yeah, I am. Okay. <laughs> there we go. Um, and Jesus really, he wants our hearts, doesn't he? There's, there's so many scriptures that I can think of. Specifically, one that comes to mind is in um, Matthew 5, where he's really, he's broadening the Ten Commandments. He's giving, um, here, I'll just read, let's see. Um, it's the scripture, Matthew 5, I think it might be Matthew 5, 10, where he's talking about, um, talking to the leaders and saying, um, you know, it's not good enough for you just to say that you're following the law or trying to follow the law, but that, you know, he really wants their hearts. He really wants them to to, to broaden their view of not just following the law. And don't we want that for our own lives and for our children's lives, that we don't want them to just follow along and, you know, do what the Bible says while they're in our homes or, you know, maybe they're obeying out of fear or out of what may come for them. But if, if the Lord really hasn't captured their hearts, then we don't really know how long that will last, that it may end up, they may, you know, make certain choices throughout high school and then when they leave our home, this, this may stop. And so my prayer for my kids, and I know for yours, is that they will somehow, through the Holy Spirit, be captured and really choose to follow the heart of the Lord and have a deep, deep faith. And so part of our, so part of our job as parents is, is to, to bring environments about and bring support to facilitate that. And so we're going to get into more of what the environments are. And I should say that's kind of part of the structure of this, of the book, is um, Michelle Anthony is talking about um, primarily in our home, but in various parts of life, what kind of environments can we facilitate for our kids to have an opportunity to seek the Lord, to, to choose him, to invite him into their lives? Um, 
So let's jump into discussion here quickly for just a little bit, and then we'll get back to our content. But what are some of the things that we might do um, as parents unintentionally? I'm trying to read this. Uh, um, to send our kids the message that life is about trying on their own. So that if we give them instructions or, you know, we're telling them this is what the Lord would lead you to, that you should just, just kind of figure out a way to do this. Or maybe we're doing it in t- intentionally or unintentionally saying, um, you know, this is the way you should go. Or stop doing this or don't do this or do this. And so we might not be meaning to say you've got to figure this on your own or just try harder. But I think it's easy to do that isn't it? or even in my own personal life that we you know I'm, sometimes it's 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 a, la- a later thought to say oh okay let's let's pray about this let's invite the lord into this situation in my own life instead of just keeping on trying and trying in my own strength so when you think about life with your kids or you maybe you have really little kids if you're imagining what life will be like as they get a little bit older um, let's just reflect on this in your groups just for a few minutes Okay, thanks for taking time to reflect in your groups on this for a little bit. I think it's easy for all of us to be tempted to impose kind of a false faith by um, asking them just to try harder. I know for me, my temptation to, to control or, you know, when it gets chaotic and uh, children are screamier is to just say, stop, I just want to stop the environment because I'm emotionally getting frazzled. And although that can help in the moment, um, you know, I, that's my tendency to just keep saying, I you know, we just need to stop. We just need to stop. And that obviously isn't going to build any sort of fruit in their lives of faith. But um, I'm, I have to remind myself to continually ask the Lord to show me what to do in a certain situation. Um, I'm thinking of one of my kids probably about a year ago. And this particular child um, was really struggling with a lot of anger. And just um, this child would get mad and kind of just thrash physically out at everyone or um, stomp feet or just say things. Mostly it was physical because this child was younger at that point. But I remember one Sunday after church, um, I can't remember the situation that kind of provoked this, the anger at that point, but I remember getting halfway up the stairs and the particular child just kind of melted to the ground in despair out of just feeling like, well, I didn't know for about 30 minutes. (laughs) And it was one of those moments where I'm thinking, I have so much to do. I, I don't want to, I just want to ignore this and move on with my life. Um, <laughs> and, um, but I, it was one of those moments where I just had a sense from the Lord, Holly, just, you need to just sit here, just sit here. And it was, yeah, kind of the very last thing I wanted to do, but I really felt prompted to just sit and as a, as a way of just saying, I support you in this process without really saying that. Um, so it took, it felt like a very long time to get anything out of this child. And, um, but finally, after all that time, what, what I heard was, I just feel like I, I'm, why can't I be like other people? Why can't I, you know, this, this sibling controls, you know, her anger. Um, why, why do I have, it was like, there's an awareness that came of that. I, I know this isn't right. And, but I don't know what to do. Like, I can't just decide I'm going to be different. Like I know what's right, but I can't seem to make the right decision and follow through with that. And so as a parent, that's so hard to, you just want to, I just want to fix it and, you know, change something in this child's heart or, you know, change the actions to make it different or better. Um, And so in, you know, there isn't what we're talking about. There isn't just this, okay, you know, let's, I know what to do differently. So next time I'm going to make a different decision. And we can all relate to this as adults, right? There's so many things that we 
want to just change tomorrow, but we have habits that we've created or we've grown up in a certain home, we've been trained a certain way, and it's, I, for me, you know, it's been baby, baby steps that I can see in my own life and my own trajectory. So the same for our kids. Um, and so we prayed about it, and we, I prayed that the Lord would um, bring peace to her heart, and just I think there was an anxiousness created from not being able to change that or feeling different or feeling um, out of control even. Um, And so I can say like it's probably been maybe about a year and um, although this issue is not completely gone, I can see that by inviting the Lord into it more consistently that um, this child has felt more of a sense of, okay, like I'm giving this over to the Lord. Ultimately, I can't just choose to change myself, even though we'd really like to do that, wouldn't we? Or change our kids. Um, But that it's a process, and, and really the Holy Spirit has to be in that. The Holy Spirit has to, to really create the change that we follow him, and we encourage our kids to do that, but ultimately he's in charge of that process. And so it's, it's been a kind of a grueling process as a parent because, and those things affect your other kids. If you have one particular child who's really, um, you know, displaying something that affects your other kids, that, that's hard too, and they're receiving the effects of something that's not so wonderful. Um, so yeah, this is a continual process that we keep lifting up the Lord. But I have to remind myself, Holly, don't just try to keep doing what you know to do, but I can't change this. I can't make this this happen. And so just encouraging our kids to continually posture their hearts, hearts before the Lord. Um, so we're not managing behavior, but we're presenting opportunities for them to choose Jesus, aren't we? But it's so easy to, we talked about this last week, you know, want to control, to, to figure out how we can get them to, to show well or to display well. But ultimately, you know, we can, as, as much as we know, as much as we um, learn and grow and know how to disciple our kids and know how to encourage them and support them, that ultimately um, that we can't manage their behavior. And that's really not what it's about. And that was kind of more of what we talked about last time. So let's, let's not get in our groups, but just here's a few questions for you to reflect on just as you're sitting here for a few minutes. Um, think for a minute, how were you brought up? Because this will affect what you're doing probably with your kids, right? And do you, when you think about your own parents, do you think, okay, did my parents just say, okay, you just need to, to buck up and do better or stop doing this or just try harder or don't, don't ever do that again um, or you know, those sort of behavioristic sort of things. Is, is that kind of the environment that you grew up in or do you remember having one of your parents or maybe grandparents or spiritual or church community maybe say something different? Do you remember having anyone in your life that really said, um, to, that encouraged you to cultivate faith by... Um, you know, by, by reaching out to the Lord, by really believing that the Holy Spirit is doing work. And so this is something you can keep thinking about, but I really think this has a huge impact on how you will then, you know, talk with your kids or what you'll say to them or if you'll really think to bring the Lord into these situations. And so I know for me, um, it just wasn't something my parents really knew to do. Um, as much as my mom really loved and served the Lord, um, I think our spiritual life was more separated. We would go to church and talk about spiritual things in certain settings and in certain places, but it wasn't really um, integrated into our daily life or our walk with our, yeah, just our normal life to think, to 
to bring the Lord in. So I really didn't have that modeled. So it's been more of a journey for me to stop and remember to just, you know, as we go with our kids, to really invite the Lord in. So we can also give all of our children, we're going to get into talking about storytelling in a little bit, but we can also give our children, um, you know, all, they could know all the right uh, things and the right Bible stories, um, all the right information, and still not choose to believe. And so as we keep going and walking with them, um, we continue to pray and ask the Lord to show them, to convict them, to really continue to bring them to him. And when we, really, when we try to impose faith on our kids, they can become resistant or rebellious, as we've hinted at, um, or conclude that Christianity just doesn't work for them. So the Holy Spirit is the one who sparks faith and makes a child's actions congruent with their beliefs. So we, as parents, are constantly trying to bring about an environment primarily in the home that's we're probably we're spending most of our time with kids, depending on their ages and, and what's going on in their life. Um, but we're, we're trying to provide environments and situations for them to be able to choose the Lord, to focus on the Lord. Um, so when I think about that in our own home at our stage, so my kids are 12, 10, um, 7, and 5 now. So as I said last week, the things we're doing now have not always been the things we're doing. That We've planted little seeds along the way, but we're finally at a point where they're all old enough to engage a little bit more. Um, so some of the things we're doing now is um, I, I homeschool part-time, and so our kids are, um, they're, I have kids in and out home with us on some days, and then they'll go, one will go off for one day a week or two days a week to do some um, schooling outside the home. But I do have some opportunities somewhat consistently in the mornings to try to get in some rhythms of some things. Um, and so if, in thinking about like a st- structures of what to provide, some of the things that we are doing now is that um, one of our friends had made up a song to the Lord's Prayer, and so we have this little tune that they'll sing as we kind of sit down and group together that they'll sing every morning. And a newer thing that we've tried to do is I've really, Glenn and I have spent a lot of time praying with them and asking you know them to pray in and out but we we're really trying to make efforts to ask them each to pray even if it's a line or two you know if they say no I don't want to pray I'm, I'm not going to force that but I'll ask them and invite them in to pray together as a family and so when we all sit down together I'll ask them each you know to pray a couple lines or something it's been really really sweet just to hear what's on their heart for that day or the things that they're thinking about it's really a way to see into their heart too not only is it kind of drawing them to the relationship with the Lord, but you're sort of seeing what, oh, I didn't know they were thinking about the hurricanes as much as, as they actually are, or, um, you know, something that's weighing on them, um, or somebody that's sick that they heard us talking about or something, and so it's kind of a way to see into their hearts, too. So that's been really grounding, I think, for us, and it's, it's a way for us to try to encourage prayer in their life and prayer for others and kind of an outward approach. Um, and then we will read usually a Bible story together, and I'll get to it a little bit talking about some recommendations for how to kind of foster Bible reading and things like that in our homes. Um, and then we'll do the doxology. So, of course, they connect to that because they're doing it here at church in their classes. They're doing it um, and for, you know, if they're coming to the main service with us at the end of the service. And so as a way to kind of bring thanks and bring 
um, together in conclusion for our time. So I'm, we're also really trying to think about what are the, the thing, you know, what are the ways that we can bring our church and community life together with our, with our home life so there can be that um, congruence there. Um, and so those are the more, you know, there's ways you can bring structure that way. And maybe it's just one thing like that. You know, you're thinking, I don't, I ha- my kids are little, it's crazy. I, I haven't really even thought that far yet, which I completely understand that. Um, but maybe it's one thing. Maybe it's every morning we're going to say the Lord's Prayer together or um, have a Kelly brought up last week, having a time of confession as a family. Or, you know, maybe there's just one thing to kind of add in this time daily to come together to, to focus on the Lord as a family. Um, and then there's just the, I'm just calling it the kind of as we go time with the Lord, right? That there's, there's moments where, um, you know, something, something comes up or situation. So because my kids are getting a little older now, there are more of those moments if I'm proactive to try to really pray and seek the Lord about what we're doing. So I'm doing a lot more driving around now. My kids are getting older and activities, and this has been a major switch for me. I'm still like... I'm in the car a lot now, and I'm kind of adjusting to that, and we're prayerfully seeking sort of what what is right for our kids now, what activities, what things are so many opportunities. Um, we're recognizing there are people that are developing that have um, personalities and interests and dreams, and we have a lot of kids. What do, how do I navigate all of this? So um, that's kind of the season that we're in. But so I'm saying that to say that these, you know, I'm, I get in the car often, I'm tired, just sort of, it's easy to zone out, right? Like, okay, I'm just gonna, we're all just gonna sit here. But this is a, you sort of have everyone captive, you know, for this time of 30 minutes or whatever. And so I've really been trying to focus my energy towards, Lord, help me to see what we can talk about right now. What kind of questions can I ask? Um, and how can I, Help me to connect. Help me to make this a point of connection and take advantage of this time rather than kind of begrudging being in the car a lot, which I can do. Um, but help me to have a positive attitude about, you know, this is it. My kids are sitting right here with me. There's, there's nothing else to do. There's nowhere to go. How can I take advantage of this time and be a moment for um, helping them to see what you're doing? So with our older kids now, it's, it's becoming less about uh, I guess it's maybe a combination of Glenn and I are still saying, this is what we kind of sense for our family right now, but what do you, you know, as a 12-year-old or as a 10-year-old, what do you, you know, we're, we're trying to make these decisions. You know, what, I'd, I'd really love for you to pray about this and think about this. What do, you, do you have a sense at all of what the Lord is saying to you? And um, it's newer for us to kind of be consistently, constantly challenging them in this, but um, this is, is this part of the journey of not, just controlling and not just saying this is what's happening this is what we're doing but I want I want to facilitate this in their life so that they don't leave home and go well my parents just told me everything to do and so I never learned how to make a decision I never learned how to sense for myself what the Lord is doing and so I think they're just in the beginning of this but we're we're consistently trying to kind of encourage this in life and I think I kind of wish I would have even done it earlier like I think with little ones um I shared the story last week about doing highs and lows with our kids and how um, when we started doing this, Jane would give the same answer at three for her high and her low for like months after months. <laughs> she would just say, um, I love Jonas for her high and her low. Like for, so she had no idea what I was asking. Um, and then eventually she like, you know, because you think when they're three, like, well, this, what's the point of doing this? They don't understand. Obviously she didn't understand. <laughs> but um, 
I think even with, you know, do we really think they can tell us articulately what they have a sense of the Lord showing them at when they're little? Probably not, but I think just kind of continuing that, um, facilitating that in their life that, that they will eventually one day be able to say, oh, actually, I think I do. I do have a sense of, of the direction that he's leading me. It's just kind of a natural part of your conversation and, and connection. Um, So, okay, we're going to transition a little bit now to um, kind of the idea of the environments that I've hinted at. So if you've, if you've looked through the table of contents, you know what I'm talking about. But as we go on um, after the kind of the idea of cultivating faith and what that is, uh, Michelle lists out a, a bunch of different environments that we can cultivate in our home or outside of our home. So the first one is... Oh, let me take a step back and say, so if you haven't read about it, you kind of, if you're a linear conceptual thinker and you're like, I need to know where we're going, uh, which I'm not, as you can tell, by the way, I'm like all over the place. But um, uh, pages 39 through 41, it kind of gives a summary. So if you want to kind of read through just to kind of get a glimpse as to where we're going. So the first environment is the environment of storytelling. And this is I love all of them, but this is a particular passion of mine and particular interest, so I'm really, really excited to talk about this part of it today. Um, But what we mean mostly in this context is the story of the big God story, the story of Scripture. And I think um, I work with a website and a a ministry called StoryForm, so I'm all about encouraging parents to, you know, read the Word with their kids, but also to read great literature that really brings in character and really brings about stories that cause them to ask questions, to think about their life, to think about their choices, but more in a subversive way. Um, So if you're interested, you can check out that website. It's called storyform.com. And if you want to know more about that, please come and talk to me about that. Um, So the environment of storytelling shapes children's hearts to know there's something bigger than their little world. It shapes a worldview that is God-centered not self-centered. And we know, I mean, our, just the nature of being a child is that they're self-centered, right? That that's sort of part of their, where they're at in their development. So on one hand, we're sort of working with that, and children are often foolish. They're often, I mean, I think many times they're not looking to be manipulative or try to, um, yeah, but I mean, some kids are, I suppose. But often I think when they're, especially when they're little, that they're just, they're, they haven't become wise yet. They're not making good decisions. Um, and so we're dealing with this childish foolishness. Um, and so we're, as, as bringing them and helping them to see God's story, we're, sort of, we're trying to show them that um, God is really the main character in the story, that he's the hero, that we're always pointing him to see God as the center. And that's, that's a long process and a long journey. Um, but that's, that's part of what we're trying to do. Um, and so the big story really is about, is about God. It's not really about Adam and Eve or really about Noah or Moses or Abraham. I think sometimes, often, it's, it's even easy for me, too, as a parent to read just stories kind of randomly in isolation. And so I think sometimes it's easy for us as adults or kids to kind of sometimes kind of put God at the periphery or to think, oh no, like this, this, this person is the main character of the story. And so kind of this idea of 
looking at the Bible as a big narrative of, of kind of connecting, like what is God, what is he doing here in Genesis and then in Exodus and, and as you keep going. And um, it's taken me, I still have a long ways to go in my journey of understanding, but it's, I think, for my own background and my own walk, I was, I really had, it took me a long time to kind of see the big picture and the big story. I definitely had, you know, where does this fit in and what is God doing here? And, um, and I'm still, you know, reading and learning and growing that, in that process. Um, one of the things that um, Glenn and I have talked about, he, just, he actually just did this talk at Summit Ministries. For those of you who are familiar to 17 and 18 years old and really talked about how to read the Bible. And he talked about the Bible being um, in five acts. And, that, and this was kind of helpful for me too to, to think about. But that, I think I've got a slide for this. Okay, let me back up a second. I'm getting ahead of my slides. Um, so really, uh, the big theme, there, well, there are many, let me say this, there are many theologians and people who've studied deeply the word that would probably, you, you could say there are many themes across the Bible, but the one we're kind of going to focus on today is that um, it's about relationship together, that God created the world to be in relationship with us, and he started that with Adam and Eve, and then that relationship was lost through sin, and um, what did I say? And then relationship redeemed because of God's great love. So that's kind of, you're going to see that theme sort of spread in and out through all of the stories throughout the Bible. Um, oh, here it is. Did I put that? Okay, yeah, in five acts. So you've got, so even just kind of having this in your mind and whatever you're reading is really helpful to me. Thinking through, okay, we've got this, this act of creation, and then we have the fall, and then what God's work, what is he doing um, he's, he's still, even though we had the fall, he's still drawing us to him. He still wants relationship with us. And so with, with his people, um, he's, you know, uh, there's so many stories throughout the Old Testament where he's, he's drawing them, he's asking things, they fall, but then he's constantly wanting to, them to come back to him. And then Jesus came and is um, wanting all people to come to him, this new people of God. And then kind of the bonus act is new creation, what, what will come. And so even for us, you know, thinking about being the people of God now and new creation, I think that puts a whole different perspective on if we see ourselves as, um, I'm a kingdom bearer on this earth. I've, God's called me um, and my family with a purpose and a plan to bring his kingdom to the earth now. He is the reigning king, whether we sometimes feel it or think we see it, but he really is. And so what has he called me to do? What and I think as we process that, and we, we're doing that in our own lives, so our kids will, will see that, and it will cause us to ask, help us ask our kids that. Um, a little story to share about this the other day. Well, so one of my very favorite picture books is called Miss Rumpheus by Barbara Cooney, and it's a story, and it's, yeah, I've read this I don't know how many times, um, but I absolutely love this story. And it's about a woman, kind of it just takes you through her life from the time she's little to her travels to different things she's done in her life. But there's this kind of key theme in the book that talks about her wanting to make the world more beautiful wherever she goes. And so that's, we've just read it to all of our kids. And um, the other day, I think Glenn just kind of, I, I don't know if this is our question at the table at the, for evening meal or not, but he just said to Jane, Jane, what do you think? What do you think God's calling you to do? And she said, to make the world more beautiful. 
And I thought, oh, yes. Like, there are those moments where you, like, I know where she got that from, that you see little bits of fruit of the things that you're, you know, planting where, you know, I'm thinking, who knows if she even remembers that story or if she got anything from it. She never taught. I had no clue. So it was, it was a surprise the moment we think, okay. Like, we didn't even have a discussion about it, anything. But just by presenting um, God's story before them in different ways, you never know how, what they're picking up or... Maybe you're planting seeds at this stage, and maybe it's a year or two, and all of a sudden something clicks, and they go, oh, okay, I get it, or I see it, or, you know, how, for all of us as adults, um, we're all in different places on the journey. We're all, I think for all of us, we're probably continuing to grow and think about the Bible as a big narrative. I would guess for most of us in our experience that it's, you know, we, we probably piecemealed the Bible together and have a hard time seeing what God's really doing. Um, so I'll recommend a few um, resources now. Oops, go back. Well, we'll leave NT right up there for now. Um, <laughs> so Michelle Anthony, who wrote this book, Spiritual Parenting, she also wrote a book for kids. And I think some of you may have this, who we gave this out at the kids' camp this past summer. But it's called The Big God Story. And anything I, sh- I show, I'll, just, I'll leave over here if you want to come and take a picture of it or look at the cover, look, flip through it to see if you're interested in it at all. But this is, it's very simple. It's for about four to eight-year-olds. But um, it, yeah, it's, it's, you know, maybe about three or four sentences about kind of a basic idea of what God's doing in the beginning and then another, another page about the fall. So it's very, very simple, but it would give them just a very, some, you know, a very basic idea of kind of what God is doing from the beginning of scripture through when the end of the Bible was happening. And then it ends with, and now you, know, you are a character in this story. You, you are continuing this work. What does God have for you? And so our kids have really, really loved this. And I was looking at it again last night, and Jonas was just captivated by it. And the artwork is really, is really neat too. So I recommend that. And then Probably many of you have also heard about this downtown. We give this out to all of our new parents. Um, if you have it, if you never got one, talk to me and I'll get you one. But this is a gift we give new parents with um, in dedication. I think we're still doing that at least. Maybe someone can tell me that's not right. Um, but it's a Jesus Storybook Bible by Sally Lloyd-Jones. And I absolutely love this Bible. I think adults and children love it just as much. Um, but... This Bible in particular, um, Sally Lloyd-Jones is really trying to show, um, bring it back to what kind of hinting towards Jesus um, in, in the future and really, really saying what is, what is God doing in the mid, in, how is God the center, how is God the main character in all of this and what's happening and what is he doing and how, how are these stories foreshadowing Jesus to come. And um, I have a friend who's a missionary in Nepal, and she gives this to any adult that she meets. She told me about a specific man who she'd met who didn't know anything about Christianity, um, just knew absolutely nothing, had have come from Hinduism. And so she, she gave this to him, and he was just completely um, in awe of what you know, God was doing has done what he is doing and it was just a wonderful gift so i think if you know even if you know someone who knows nothing about god's story that this is i think this is a great resource for adults too and i almost tear up and cry and when i'm reading <laughs> like i really really love reading it so if you don't have this i would highly recommend it um and then some people ask you know what so what do you kind of, is there something you move on to before you just have your kids dig into 
a Bible that we would read as in a, you know, the full unabridged <laughs> Bible. Um, and so this is another great one. It's called the Child's Story Bible by Catherine Voss. And this is what I'm currently reading. So my older kids, it's probably, they don't, it's maybe even a little too simplistic, but it kind of tells the same stories that we're talking about, but still in more of a story form and might even give little things that lead you to, to contemplate questions or ideas or themes about it. The language is really great. Um, and so this is what we're reading with our kids right now. So I recommend this one too. Um, and then for me, I mean, I've been, I've been on and off of, you know, you probably go through phases of what, what is helpful in your own devotional life as you continue to be um, submitted to the Lord and a disciple of him. And so, but I think one of the things um, in and out that I've done that's been most helpful is just having a study Bible, a good study Bible. So one that I have now is the Common English Bible, Study Bible. And it just, I think it, sometimes when you're reading and you, if you're reading a particular passage or a book and you don't really know the historical background or the context, you know, with, without going fully to a commentary, a good study Bible just gives you enough to understand, um, you know, what the context is, what the history is. And um, I've been, I was even, in, I reread this last night just to, to think about it again, the big God story. And I was thinking about the Noah story and how in my 21st century mind, I've tended to think, you know, I'll, I'll hear theologians and pastors talk about um, you know, that God has, has never forsaken his world, that he will one day, he's preserved, he wants us to help in the process of restoring. And, but sometimes it has seemed to me like, well, doesn't it kind of seem like he scrapped the world when he brought the whole flood in? And um, in my 21st century mind, that's where, where I can go to. Or a different passage in the Bible, I'll say, it doesn't, that, that doesn't seem like the God that I know, the one who's always loving and caring and kind. And, um, and so, but, so reading a study Bible or reading something to support just the story kind of gives us the context of, okay, but in that day, historically, there were all these other civilizations and most civilizations at the time had a flood story. Um, and, but what was different about it? What was, you know, if, if I'm a, a, a dad or a mom going home to my child and they say, yeah, we all know that everyone, you know, that I know who's alive at this time knows that has some kind of a rendition of a flood story. But, but what, what is God doing that's different here? That he, he um, it was such a terrible world and people were making such terrible choices. But, but what did he do that was different? He preserved. He preserved Noah. He um, you know, preserved two by, the animals two by two, and that was just dramatically different than so many of the other stories. But thinking through that lens, it's, it's different, like, what did they think at that time? You know, it's, it's a different way to think about it. And so I'm constantly challenging myself to try to understand, you know, what in this culture, in this time, what were they thinking, not just with my current living in 2017, what, I can easily misjudge something or misunderstand something just based on our culture, you know, like if we think about the whole entire, you know, everything we know being flooded, that doesn't seem like a preservationist way to me, but I'm, you know, being stretched and learning to, to, to broaden my understanding. Um, oops. Another great book that has just sort of helped in my understanding of kind of God's 
salvation message and his, his good news is called simply good news. And um, some of you may have, I think Glenn's mentioned this before in church, but um, it's by N.T. Wright. And it's just giving kind of a, a vision of, of the news that, that Christ has brought that, and kind of what I've hinted at about um, what God has for us and that he's really called us to be kingdom bearers on earth. And so just a little bit of a different perspective than maybe what you thought about before. So I really recommend that book. I don't know what's happening here. Let's see. Can I get it back? Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Okay. So this is N.T. Wright, who I talked about um, with Simply Good News. And he says, we read scripture in order to be refreshed in our memory and understanding of the story within which we ourselves are actors, to be reminded where it has come from, where it's going to, and hence what our own part within it ought to be. Um, he's, the prof- he's had many different positions, but he's currently the professor of New Testament. So I've, I've really learned a lot and gleaned a lot from, a lot from his books, if you're interested in reading some, well, he has, I should say, he has kind of a layperson theology books, and then he's got like 800-page academic ones, which I have not attempted to read yet. Um, where are we at? Okay. Okay, let's break into our groups now and talk a little bit about this. Let me get the question up here. Okay, so let's share how God has used the circumstances of your life to bring you to himself um, before you were a Christ follower and as you have grown in following him. So let's just think about um, kind of in light of this, of what we're talking about, about scripture, about what you've been exposed to, about what you've believed about God. Um, what have you done in the past and maybe what do you have a sense? This is where I'm at in my walk with the Lord. What Are there things he's kind of leading me or prompting me to do in my walk now? I'll have about five minutes. Thank you guys for, oh, sorry. Thanks for sharing about that with your groups. We, I, we actually had a little bit longer to do that, so that's good. Um, does anyone want to share a little bit about what they talked about in their group? No pressure. Just thought I'd offer that if anybody wanted to share with our big group about um, something that's really affected your walk with the Lord or or you're hoping to continue to pursue in the future? It's fine. Just thought I'd offer. Just thought I'd ask. <laughs> um, so as we're talking about this, we're kind of looking at storytelling in two parts. One being, um, you know, sharing, understanding for ourselves really what the big God story is, what God's doing, what he has done, and what he is continuing to do. And... Um, and that being uh, having understanding and perspective and connecting with God in the midst of that story, and then also reflecting on our own life and thinking about, um, you know, where where am I at in this process of my understanding and how God's word really affects me. We talked a little bit last week about depending on your kids' development and where they're at. Um, challenging ourselves as parents to share some of that with our kids. And that's something I don't always think about doing. But when I do do it, I think, oh, why don't I do this more? Why don't I, you know, I share with friends or I share, Glenn and I process or share with mentors. And I, I don't often invite my kids into the things that they really could connect with and that they could understand and, and, 
and you know, often their response is, really, mom? You know, you, you've thought that, or you've had that, or you've had that struggle, and I think it just validates their own process and where they're at, or their own struggles or doubt. Um, and so, yeah, the second half is just kind of reflecting on where we're at and on our own journey and helping our kids to process where they're at, inviting them to be a part of, of the great story of redemption. Um, and so one, one of the things, kind of a monumental part of my own story is um, probably getting to probably my early 20s and really still having a lot of hang-ups that it wasn't really about what we do and that it really wasn't about just obedience and the lot all the things I'm really trying to help my children catch now that it's really about our relationship with him that's really about connecting to his heart and his parents you know emphasizing that connecting the cultivating relationship with our kids um, but I could not even you know sometimes you have these things mentally and intellectually you understand them but you know like it just hasn't really gotten to your heart you could explain something about the Bible you could explain a biblical um, idea or but you just know like you're not really living that out or you're not really living into that and one of the things for me was that I just I knew that God had given me grace I knew that he loved me that I was his child but like in my head but somehow I still kept focusing so much on the rules and about if I was doing what I was supposed to be doing or if I was failing and that I was disappointing if I wasn't you know doing what I was supposed to be doing and then I, I heard listened to a sermon and um, it was just one of those moments where something clicked for me. And the pastor was talking about, um, um, in the Old Testament, about God's people and how he had already chosen them. That they were all, like he'd chosen them in the midst of their sin. That, that they, he said, these are my, this is my family, these are my people. Um, and there's just something about that moment and that story of going, oh, okay, so I'm actually already in. Like he's already, you know, I've, I've said yes, and so I'm in, and he's chosen me, and so it's like with your own kids, like, you know, it's not like, well, you know, if you don't, if you keep messing up, then you're not my child anymore, like, you, you're already my child, and um, so that was just a significant day for me when something kind of was set free where I felt like more of a sense of his grace and his love and was able to say, okay, like, I'm we are in a relationship. I'm not going to be cut off if I make a mistake or I'm not going to um, be sent to hell for, for sinning, that there is forgiveness and there's repentance. And I knew all these things. Um, but just as an encouragement to wherever you're at, there might be these areas. And maybe there's an area you're thinking of now where, where you could say, Lord, like, I know that this is, I'm not really living into this. Um, you know, maybe it is an identity thing. Like, I think that's probably the core of the issue for me was really my identity being really rooted in the Lord and me really believing um, that I really am his child that, and that I'm loved, and that is the foundation uh, for all of my life. Um, I'm blanking out the title of the book right now. It's a book, probably somebody can help me remember this, um, a Henry Nouwen book called, it's all about belovedness. I, I'm trying to remember the title of it. Is anyone... Life of the Beloved, thank you. That was a very pivotal um, book kind of in this journey for me. And so just to share that, you know, that I encourage all of you that just to pray for those areas where you feel like I haven't, you know, you want to pass this on to your child, right? We want to pass this part of our faith. Like I want to, I want my children to be rooted in this idea that they are beloved by the Lord, that they, that their identity um, is in him and not in what they do and not in their performance, but 
sometimes I think we can get caught up in, well, I don't even have this for myself yet. How can I pass this down? But this is another way to share, you know, little bits where you feel like it, um, where you feel led to about, about our own journey. Okay, let's, you probably touched on this a little bit. Let's, let's break up into our groups for a little bit again. And um, I'm not sure if some of you kind of hinted on, you know, what maybe things you've done in your journey, discipleship-wise, or what you've read or devotional life. But um, just choose one path, I guess. If you kind of shared about that, then maybe talk about, just a little bit about your own journey where you feel like, okay, this is where God has really brought revelation and um, where I really understand him more and what he's doing. Just maybe share a little bit about your personal life. Or if you already did that, you could say, um, this is something, um, you know, that I've been reading or something like a, like a spiritually formative practice that you've done that's really helping you. Is that enough? Just kind of choose one of those paths. I'm not sure which way you went last time, so we'll take a bit of time to do that. Okay, we just have a few minutes left before our time is over. I'm just going to recommend a couple things and then you can carry on your conversation or go back and get your kids. Um, I forgot to mention this earlier that um, if you have, maybe you've read it already, but in pages 47 through 54 of Spiritual Parenting, Michelle goes through kind of in a little bit more depth than maybe a children's book, The Big God Story. She kind of goes through how the stories connect. And so I think that's really, really helpful if you're wanting to get more of a perspective on that. And then another book that I would recommend if you're just thinking, I don't know that I know how to read the Bible that well, or I'd really like to think more about that. Um, Scott McKnight is an author that I really have um, enjoyed and learned a lot from. And he wrote a book called The Blue Parakeet. And the subtitle is Rethinking How You Read the Bible. Um, There's a whole chapter on power in there and just some various, there's some discussion on women in the Bible or just some of the things that we might have trouble thinking through. Um, He has some different chapters on the Bible as a big narrative and just some different things like that. So that might be helpful if you're thinking through that. Um, And Sorry? The Blue Parakeet. Yes. Yeah, and come up and ask me if you're like, what book was that you said? I'm going to, I don't think we do the blog anymore for the podcast, but I'll try to put some of these things on Facebook listed under if you're trying to remember some of the titles. So um, thank you all for coming. It's wonderful to see all of you here. Um, if you have any questions, come and talk to me. If you want to email me, my email is hpackiam at newlifechurch.org. Just first letter and last, first letter of your first name and last name, kind of how everybody is on staff. So Um, But yeah, feel free to come down and, and talk to me and thanks for coming. See you next week.